Welcome to the Ministry 127 podcast, brought to you by Lancaster Baptist Church and Pastor Paul Chapel. Today's podcast is on surviving the storms of life with Mrs. Terry Chapel. Mrs. Chapel is the wife of Pastor Paul Chapel, and she has served with her husband at Lancaster Baptist Church for over 25 years. Now, today we're going to talk about surviving the storms. And this is a quote that I have often looked to when those times come those times appear. It says, God promises a safe landing, not a calm passage. If God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. And sometimes the, the passage is long um, and rough, but God will never leave us or forsake us. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look at two storms in the Gospels. The first one is in Mark In verses 35 through 40, and it says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And, when, and he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And now if you'll turn back to Matthew chapter 14. Verse 21 through 33, it says, And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, and beside women and children. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And so let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Father, I pray that, um, Lord, you'll just bless this hour. I know there's many ladies in here that are going through a storm right now, and I especially pray for them. I pray, Lord, that you'll give them comfort, and, Lord, I pray that maybe something even in today's lesson can be a help and a blessing. I pray that you'll strengthen them and give them wisdom and guide them, and, God, show your power to them. And, Lord, for those that are not in a trial right now, we know that, Lord, they'll come. And I pray that we'll be prepared to meet them and, and to be able to respond in the way that you'd want us to respond. 
Thank you for those that um, traveled here and made um, preparations to come. I pray that you'll bless them for it and bless their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get in a storm, sometimes I lose my perspective. My dad was a commercial fisherman, and sometimes when the fish were not in season, um, he would rent out our boat as a, as a party boat. He would take other men, and they'd go fishing, um, and he'd take them so they can catch bass and whatever. Well, one day, we were out on the, on the ocean in San Francisco, and there's a little patch of water called the Potato Patch, and it's where the storms will, when the storms come, it gets very rough there because it's where the bay and the ocean meet. And so we were there one day, and the weather was a little rough, and all of a sudden, the swells. Now, our boat wasn't huge. You know, it could have been the Queen Mary, and the waves would have still been big, but our boat was like a 25-foot boat, and we looked like a little toy boat, you know, in the ocean. And the waves would go way high, so high that when I stood there, I looked around and I couldn't see anything but water. I mean, I just thought any second those two waves on each side of the boat are just going to go like this and we're going to be underwater. And then a second later, <laughs> we'd be up on top of one of those swells. We'd be so high up with the, the size of the, of the wake We'd be so far up that I couldn't see any water. All I saw was air. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, great, now we're going to fall off this thing and fall into the water. And it wasn't, I wasn't really good for business that day because I was terrified. And I lost all perspective. And so my dad, he didn't want to go in because if you go in, you have to refund the money. So he was going to stay out there until they caught fish. So he made me go to the front of the boat and made me lay down on my back and made me look straight up to the sky. So the only thing I could see was the sky. He wanted me to focus on that one thing. And sometimes with storms, we will lose our perspective. Now, first I want to show that perspective is like punctuation. It makes a vast difference in the meaning. Let me read you this sentence two ways. And putting uh, the punctuation in one and leaving it out in another. It says... I'm sorry, I still love you. Or, I'm sorry, I still love you. And it's the same words, the same sentence, it's just that one had a comma in it. And so a lot of times in the storms, we need to realize that we need to gain perspective. And so first I want to look at the picture behind the storms. Storms are a part of life. Now, these fishermen, they were used to storms. If you are a fisherman, you're used to it. The water the water's not going to always be calm when we go out. We got to go to the Sea of Galilee where this was taking place. And in my heart, just a little bit, I wanted a tiny little storm to come up. I just wanted to see what it was like to be out on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Now, I don't know what would happen if a storm really did come up, but we had great weather and it was pretty calm. So a fisherman, though, though it's going to be calm any Many days when they're fishing, there are still times when the weather gets rough and a storm will come. So they're part of life. And storms are happening all over even as we speak. There's probably a storm going on someplace. So they are a part of life. They're expected. So much so that we have hurricane season. We have a tornado alley because they know that's where they're going to come. So they're so expected that we even name a time for them to come. So they are experience, expected. And in our Christian walk, we can expect to experience storms. 
James 1, 2 tells us, my brethren, count it all joy. What's that next word? You don't even have to look it up. When. When they come, not if or maybe, but it's when ye fall into diverse temptations. In 1 Peter 4.12, the Bible tells us, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. And so God says, expect the trials. They're going to come. Now, sometimes they come in waves. And we had that experience in our life in the last couple years. It seems like we've experienced storms throughout our life, but it seemed like the last few years it was like a wave. One would come in and... As it was passing, the front of another one was coming in. And so sometimes we could be in a storm. You might be coming out of a storm. And some of you might be experiencing that wave effect of storms. But they are a part of life. And ladies, that helps me to know that it's not just me that's going through a storm, that they come to everybody. Of course, when it comes to us, it's going to be, (laughs) we're going to feel it more than when it's happening to somebody else. Number two, storms are, are diverse. They come in all shapes and all sizes. We even measure them. They have the tornadoes are F1, F2. The hurricanes are category one, category two. So we even measure them because they do come in different, um, different degrees of, of strength. And in our life, it's the same thing. We might be going through a storm and it feels like nothing to us. But then the next one, be very strong. In verse 37 of, in Mark 4, it says, And there arose a great storm. This was a big storm coming in their life. And so maybe it's an accident. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a health storm. Whatever it is, for you, it's going to be, it's going to be um, harder than it is for somebody else. And so when we look at somebody else going through a storm, we may think, oh, and they're complaining about that. But remember, it's just as hard if we're going through it. Um, sometimes it's like a little turbulence in an airplane, and sometimes it's like fasten your seatbelt, we're on for a ride. Now, I don't like flying, and my husband knows that. And so if if there's any turbulence whatsoever on the plane, I'll look over right away to my husband, and he does this. He goes, he just starts smiling. I mean, the plane could be going down, and he's going to be looking at me just smiling. Um, because he thinks that that's going to calm me, that he's smiling. <laughs> and he acts like it's nothing. Oh, it's just a little turbulence. A little turbulence, the air masks came down. No, it's, we were landing one time at LAX at really late at night, and we were coming in. Now, I usually get the window seat, and so I'm looking out the window, and I, can, I probably could land a plane. I just know exactly how high we should be up when we're crossing over the 405. You know? And this particular time, we were really low and still going pretty fast. And I kept telling my husband, we're gonna, it's going to be a rough landing. <laughs> we're going way too fast, and we're really, really low. And my husband's going, oh, no, this is a nice landing. And honestly, we hit that runway so hard. Now, nothing happened. Nobody was hurt. We just bounced all the way in. And I looked at my husband with a look that said, if you give me that smile that says this was nothing. <laughs> and so he did. He just looked at me like, oh, yeah, this is how they always land the planes. And the stewardess got up, and I cannot believe she said this. She said, wow, that was the worst landing I've ever been in. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, see, I knew. Trying to tell me differently. So storms are diverse. It might be just that little turbulence, and it could be very strong. Number three, they are impartial. 
It's another picture that we can see. Oftentimes, there's that misconception that every trial is because of sin in our life. And it may be because of sin, but not all trials are because of sin. Even God-loving, God-honoring, even God's favorite Christians are, going to, are not exempt. They're going to experience storms. Matthew 5.45 says that we may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So they're not... They're impartial. They're going, to, they're going to, whether you're serving the Lord like you're supposed to and obeying God, trials can still come. Number four, they are God-ordained. Jesus told the disciples to get on the ship. In both instances, God told them to go. In one instance, God was even on, Jesus was even on the boat with him, and the storm still came. And so they are God-ordained. God I think God is more concerned about our spiritual growth than our spiritual comfort. And so God is going to send us a storm, not because he just wants to make us uncomfortable, but he wants us to grow, and he wants us to grow spiritually. And so they are God-ordained. Number five, storms can expose areas of weakness or unpreparedness in our lives. And we see that sometimes at home. A storm will come, and we'll see a leaky window, or we... People that live where the hurricanes are, if they don't board up those windows, they can see damage. So it shows an area of weakness in our life. And trials will do the same thing in the Christian's, in the Christian's life. They will expose our character to the surface. They'll show our strength or our weakness. It's like it's been said that people are like tea bags. If you want to know what's inside them, just drop them in hot water. And so it will, a storm will, ex, will expose our areas of weakness. Number six, the storm arose while they were being obedient to Christ. We see that in Mark 35, Jesus told them to get on the boat. And in Matthew 14, 22, again, it says Jesus constrained them to get onto the ship. And so both times they were being obedient. Did that storm surprise Jesus? No, he knew that storm was coming. So he was sending them. He was putting them into a storm. Jesus knew. And Jesus knows when we're headed for a storm, too. It doesn't catch him by surprise. So they are God-ordained, and they happen while we're obedient to, to him. Number seven, in both cases, it was during a time of great tiredness. Here, the disciples and Jesus had been teaching and working throughout the day. It was at nighttime. And a lot of times when we are tired, that's when a storm is going to come. But it's his timing when the storms do come. Number eight, fear is common. And if you were in church when you heard Brother Willett's message Monday night, he said, we need to have 1% more faith than doubt. And when there's fear is present, faith is not. And so um, here it was, uh, fear was common for them. Number nine, we are powerless during the storm. God is in control of the weather. We can't stop a storm from coming. We are powerless. And then number 10, they are needed. They help us to grow. And that was a typo in there because that's actually two sentences. They help us to grow. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9a, it says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God allows us to grow through those times of trials, and they help us to grow. Brother Gibbs uh, one time came to speak for us, and it was during that hurricane season and it was one of the big hurricanes that were hitting, was hitting Florida 
and I had told him that we had been praying for his family. And he said, oh, he said, hurricanes. He said, I love them. He said, that's what gives us our water. If we didn't have hurricanes, Florida would not have any water. And so here his perspective was, oh, you know, send those hurricanes. Now, of course, he doesn't want anyone hurt and disaster to happen, but that's what gives us the water, and that's what helps us to grow. So we see the pictures behind the storms, and let's see the purpose, number two, the purpose of the storms. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now, I wish I understood everything that God does in my life, but I cannot. But I know that God, what he thinks and what he wills for my life is, is good. It, God doesn't want to destroy my life. God doesn't want to make my life miserable. He has good thoughts for me. And my thoughts are not his thoughts, and my ways are not his ways. But there is a purpose. Charlie Brown one day was on the beach, and he had built a beautiful sandcastle. It was a little cartoon. And it shows him building the sandcastle, and then the last little, one of the second to the last frame shows him standing back looking at that beautiful sandcastle that he, that he had made. And the next frame, it shows a big wave coming in, and when the wave went back out, there was nothing. And the little caption underneath it said, I know there's a lesson this, in this, but I'm not sure what it is. And a lot of times when the trials come, we know there's a lesson in it, but we just might not know what it is. But here might be some of them. Number one, to demonstrate God's will. Paul speaks of it in Philippians 1. He says, But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. It was God's will for, for Paul to suffer those trials, to be put in prison, so that the gospel could be spread out. So it could be for God to demonstrate his will. Number two, to get our attention. Now, if, for me, I can understand this really well because sometimes going through life, I just have my head just focused, you know, oblivious to what's going on around me. But when God sends that storm, guess what? It's a wake-up call. It gets my attention. Um, Psalm 119, 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. It brings us closer to the, to the Lord. Number three, to meet our needs. Jesus obviously wanted to teach the disciples more. That's why he told them to get onto the ship. He wanted to, to teach him a lesson. It was for their purpose. Number four, it's to build our faith. 1 Peter 1.7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So God wants to build our faith. We see it also when Peter was walking on the water. Um, it took faith for him to get out of the boat. And then we saw when that fear took over, that's when he started to sink. But it builds our faith. Number five, it's to purify our lives. Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And Patch saying about that so good last night. F.B. Meyer describes a process of purification like this. He said a bar of iron is worth about $2.50. He says, but if we make that same bar of iron into horseshoes, it becomes, it's worth $5. And if we made that same bar of iron into needles, it's worth $175. And if we made it into a penknife blade, it's worth $1,625.
that if we make it into springs for watches, it's worth $125,000. So what's the difference? The amount of time it's passed through the heat, beaten, pound, and polished, and the result is greater value. Somebody else said, a gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man perfected without trials. So God wants to purify our life. And maybe you've heard how that when they, when the, um, the, when they purify that ore, they do it until they can see the reflection of themselves. And God wants to purify us until he can see his reflection in us. Number six, to bring glory to God is another purpose for a trial. 1 Peter 4.13, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Number seven, to show us our need for Christ. Um, in verse 27 of Matthew 14, it says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, for it is I, be not afraid. We need Christ. And that's what the disciples needed in that boat. When we have Christ with us, it conquers our fear. It conquers the storms. It causes us to calm. gives us hope and faith to rise. Um, when we were on vacation, when the kids were little to Colorado, they have magnificent thunderstorms. Well, my kids weren't used to it. And the, one day, everybody, all the adults had left, and I was at the farm just with the kids. And all of a sudden, a thunderstorm came in, and we thought the house was going to split in two. I mean, the kids started all coming running to me. I did nothing to calm their fears. I mean, they stayed with me, but it wasn't like I was much comfort to them. But as soon as their dad walked in, you could see the hope <laughs> that, okay, maybe now with dad here, maybe, you know, we'll be okay. And that's how it is, I think, in a storm. We see the Lord, we're going to have hope, and we're going to have faith in that. And it also produces confession and worship. Number eight, another purpose is to know how to bear one another's burdens. I think specifically in the trials that we face in our life these last couple years has made us better burden bearers for others. Before, when people would say, you know, pray for my mom, she has cancer. Well, we'd pray, but we didn't know really how to pray. Usually our prayers would be, you know, pray for them, they're going through cancer. But because we've experienced it now, we're able to pray specifically. We know some of the tests and what chemo does, and we know what some of the emotion is that's involved in it. And so it's, we are able to bear somebody else's burdens better because of going through a trial similar in our own life. Number nine, it points others to Christ. During the trials, people probably have asked you, too, how do you do it? And I, I look at the unsaved world and say, how do they do it? They don't have Christ. And so what an opportunity for us to witness and point that our strength, our comfort, you know, our, our power comes from the Lord. And so it's a time to point others to Christ. Number 10, it displays the power of God in our lives. Again, in 2 Corinthians 12, Verse 9, the latter part, it says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me, upon me. The Lord sees the bigger picture, and regardless of why or when or how trials come, they are all designed to bring us closer into a closer relationship with the Lord. And they're designed to point others to Christ um, so they can see God through your life. And praise the Lord, they're only for a season. So whatever... The purpose is that God's trying to bring into your life. It's only for a season. 
Next, we're going to see the preparation of the storm. And since we don't know when storms are going to come, we should be prepared. I think the Boy Scouts got it right on that one, to always be prepared. And praise the Lord that Noah built the ark before the storm came. Um, it would be pretty tough building, a, building an ark during the storm. And so let's prepare ahead of time ourselves. And things that we do to prepare for a storm, number one, is communication. Now, maybe you've traveled or you live towards the coast, and you may see those little signs that say evacuation, you know, path, and then that's where you're supposed to go when, the, when, this, when a tsunami comes, is you want to go to higher ground. And same with us. We need to know where we, are, where we should be when a storm comes. Of course, we want to be close to the Lord. We have that emergency broadcasting system, you know, that makes that terrible noise on the TV or the radio. Um, practicing so in case a storm comes, we want to get direction. So we need direction too, and we need to be prayer warriors. And prayer is what I think has gotten me through every trial, not just my prayer, but the prayers of others. And so we need to make sure that's our first and most important line of protection in surviving a storm is a communication with the Lord. And so be a prayer warrior. And we also not only talk to the Lord, but we get counsel. Before we were married, my husband and I even um, made an agreement that no matter if it was a financial trial, whether it was um, with our marriage, or whether it was just difficulty, we would always seek counsel. And that has been so helpful over the years uh, that we've been in ministry. We were never afraid to call up and ask for, for help or ask for direction and, and get guidance. Number two, another way to prepare is for protection. Now, when we built this in fact, this building, I noticed it even more. When we built it, they had to have special rebar because we live on an earthquake fault. And so, and actually, there are some times when you can actually feel that second floor just swaying um, a little bit. But I get that's a good thing, they tell us, because <laughs> it's giving, give, it's giving um, a way so that if an earthquake comes, it'll just rock and it won't fall down. So we, were, we protected the building by putting in that special rebar. We look for areas that are weak, and we, and we strengthen them. People put boards on their windows so the storms won't crash through. And so what can we do in our life that's going to protect us with the storms? And that's where we need to, to focus in on God's word, on the scripture. Now, a man in Florida, when the, one of the hurricanes came through, I believe it was Hurricane Andrew, they were, the news media was showing the destruction that happened there in Florida. And they got to this one area, and every house was destroyed but one. And the man that lived there was out there kind of cleaning up, so the newscaster went over and asked him. He said, you know, how, how is it that your house is standing, still standing? And he said, because I built it according to code. And he said, when they said to use a two-by-six something, I used it. And, he, and he, he accredited that his building was still standing, his house, because he built it <clears throat> excuse me, according to code. And we need to build our lives according to code too, the word of God, and, and gain our strength and our protection from scripture <clears throat> so that when a trial comes, we'll be protected. Number three, we always need a power source. If you are preparing for a storm, you're going to have a power source, maybe an extra generator, or you're going to know where you can get power, the batteries for the radio and, and things like that. Well, we need to have power too, and our power comes from the Holy Spirit. 
and we need to seek him and his guidance as well. There was a 911 call made, I don't know if you saw it on TV, about a little girl calling, she was four years old, and she was having trouble with her math. Now, I don't know how many four-year-olds do math, but you can hear the little girl saying, I need help with our, the math, and the man wanted to send somebody out, a policeman, the 911 dispatcher, and she says, no, I don't need the police, I just need help with my math. <laughs> so finally, the, dispatch, the 911 operator said, well, what are you having trouble with? And she said, well, it's 16, take away eight. <laughs> and so the 911 operator asked her, what do you think the answer is? And she said, one. <laughs> and uh, so the little girl, then you hear the mom in the background, what are you doing? <laughs> she said, well, when I needed help, you told me to call 911. <laughs> and so she had the right idea, just the wrong source. And when we go through a trial, we need to know that our power doesn't come from just talking with other people or reading more books. It comes from God's word, from the Holy Spirit, and that's where we want our power to come from. So know where you can get help. Number four, we also need to have training. Maybe we train for earthquake preparedness. They have classes for CPR so that we can be prepared if a, if a trial comes. And we need to be prepared and remain teachable. And I believe the way we become prepared and to, in training and to be teachable is through church attendance. Coming to church. Now, most of the ladies in here, pastor's wives, now that's probably where we spend our life, <laughs> is at church. But get something out of the messages. Don't be in the nursery all the time. Don't be walking the halls. Don't be just sitting in the pew thinking of something else. Take those times and say, Lord, teach me. Um, so many times something will come and I'll think, I was so glad that I was in church Sunday night because that's what helped me get through whatever I was going through the next day. So we see the picture behind the storms. We see the purpose of the storms, the preparation. Now we're at the procedures of the storm. What do we do during the storms? Often when we encounter the storms of life, it's not the storms themselves that pose the greatest danger to us. It's the doubt and the fear and the anxiety, and all those other things that come into play when a storm comes. So what should we do? We just don't want to give in to our emotions. This is what we should do. Number one, focus on Christ. Practice his presence. Isaiah 26, 3 says, That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Um, we go to the hospital to have a baby, and they tell us to look. A focal point. Now, does that take away the pain, those moms in here that had natural childbirth? No, it doesn't take away the pain, but it helps us focus on what's more important than the pain. And so we want to focus on Christ. And we've heard it already this week, but we want to look to the cross and not to the crisis. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, through the earth, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so when those trials come, we want to cling to our life preserver, to the Lord, to Jesus, and, and, and stay close to him and focus on him. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with thee. 
Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Why do we think when the storm comes that we're all alone? God is with us, and he's going to help us through it. These are the verses that I look through when I go through a trial, and there's many, many more. And so when that trial comes, you focus on the Lord. You focus on Scripture. Memorize them. Read them. Post them up in your house. In Daniel 3.25, we see that when the children, the Hebrew children were sent into the fiery furnace, and they looked, there wasn't three there. There was four. So the Jesus was with them all the time. And when we're going through a trial, the Lord is with us. The second procedure we should do during a trial is to pray. And we talked about that already. And I, I, like I mentioned, that is a thing that has gotten me through every t- trial is um, our prayers going to the Lord and him helping us and then people praying for us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. All your worries, all your doubts, all your fears, cast them on the Lord. And then don't be afraid. I, I meet ladies that are afraid to ask for prayer. Um, maybe ladies that have had a hard time even getting pregnant. Uh, they get pregnant and they don't tell anybody um, because they don't want them to have to say that they've lost the baby, but I want them to have prayer. They don't have to tell the whole world, but get prayer partners through that time and um, what comfort that is. Number three is to believe God, to trust him. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. We need to believe that God knows what he's doing, because he does. And then he will make that clear. I don't know about you, but I like to read novels, Christian novels, and I like mysteries. And there are times you I'll be reading, I'm thinking, how in the world are they ever going to make <laughs> this come to an end? And isn't it amazing, at the end of the book, it all is clear of what happened. And you know what? Our life is like that novel. Chapters are being written, and right in the middle of it, we might not know how it's going to end, or how this all makes sense, but one day, in the end, whether it be here on earth, or if God waits and chooses to let us know in heaven, we're going to find out why all those things happened. And sometimes we can look back now and even say, oh, I see now why that happened. And so God will make it all clear, but we, during the meantime, we have to trust him and to believe God. Lewis Brill, and all of you know he's the one that did the Braille for the blind to read, Well, he was four years old when he was trying to um, punch a hole in some leather like his father did. And he, when he did, he was bending down to tie his shoe with this awe, and it slipped and went into his eye, and he was blinded in one eye. Well, then the infection went in, and he lost the sight of both eyes. But the very instrument that used to cause his blindness was what he used so that other people can read, or the blind could read. And so believe God that he has a purpose and trust him for what's going to happen. Romans 8, 28, we claim that often, and we know that all things work together for good to the, of those who love him, to those who have been called according to his purpose. And then number four, we need to respond correctly. We need to stay faithful. We don't need to quit and become bitter. I heard of a church group that went to Africa, and all their rooms had spiders. Now, that would make me want to go back home real quick. Um, and the Americans believe, as I do, that all, only a good spider is a dead spider. Right, see? So they began to kill all these spiders in their rooms. And the African people came in and said, no, no, they're good spiders. Don't kill them. They eat bugs, and you know, they won't bite you. They're not poisonous. 
And, but of course, you know, us Americans don't listen. And they did, and those spiders did hurt the Americans. But it wasn't because of their poison or because of them biting. It was because the Americans were so afraid of it that they got hurt trying to run away from the spiders. And so actually, sometimes we could be more hurt in that process of a storm because we're trying to get away from the storm instead of letting God work through us. So don't get angry, but be assured that God doesn't make a mistake um, and, then, and, and not to become bitter. And number five, remember his promises, that we are never alone, um, that we'll, there is nothing that I will face the rest of my life that I'll face alone. Jesus will always be with me. God is with me. He's in my boat. Uh, we pretend to forget that during the storms, don't we? We think we are so alone. Um, but God is never far away. And he's promised every believer, Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always. In Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isaiah 43, uh, 1 and 2, it says, But now this saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he, for, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. What promises God gives us when we're going through those trials. And then God wants to comfort us. We see that in Psalm 23. When we walk through those valleys, those shadows, shadows are scary places. They're dark and hard to see sometimes. But God says he's with us during those times. And so now let's look at the practice after the storm. When that storm does it only lasts for a season. James 1.2 tells us, number one, to count it all joy, to give thanks. Now, sometimes it's hard, isn't it, when you're going through the trial to be happy, but we can still be thankful. We can be thankful that God is working in our lives, and though we might not experience a happiness or an emotion that's like that, it's okay that, it is, um, that we're suffering, but we can still be joyful in our heart, knowing that God is still present with us and that he's still working in us. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in God and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. And then, of course, we know 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks for, um, for the trial, for the, the privilege of God, uh, being one of God's children and that he's working in our lives. Number two, we need to remember the lessons that God taught us. Um, again, Psalm 119.71 says, It is good for me that I've been afflicted because I learn your law. I learn your statutes. I learn things when I'm going through that trial. And every trial gives us an opportunity to learn something about the Lord or something from the Lord. And so let's remember um, to remember the lessons that God taught us. Maybe it's a lesson on grace. Maybe it's a lesson on comfort or patience. Maybe it's a lesson on trust or compassion. But whatever those lessons are, write them down. I think that's where I feel I've failed, is I forget to write them down. I think, how could I ever forget this lesson? And then somebody asked me yesterday about something, and I thought, oh, I had to think. Um, because when the, when the trial is gone, sometimes we forget those lessons that God has put us through. Number three, after the storm, remember to encourage others. You will be an encouragement to others. I know Larry is an encouragement 
um, to those, not complaining and always giving God the glory. And, and all those things are a testament to him and that it's an encouragement to others that are going through that same trial or know somebody that's going through it. So you be that encourager. Um, now that you've been through a trial, you'll understand it better and you can help them and encourage them as they go through their trial. Number four, another thing we can do after the trial is to experience the peace that only God can give. And I don't even know how to talk about it. Because if you've been through anything and you've gotten that peace from the Lord, how do you describe that? Because it's not human. It's not, it's not in our normal comprehension um, to have that kind of peace. Again, I, I, Larry, that was the thing that amazed me. He was, I was the one bawling all the time. And he was the one that was just peace, just a picture of peace the whole time. He, he, he will even tell you that he wasn't afraid and, and um, he never had that fear. He, he experienced God's peace. Number five, we enjoy sweeter fellowship with the Lord. In 1 Peter 4.13, says, uh, um, we see that. We see that we can have the fellowship with the Lord. And our countenance and our spirit is more tender sensitive to the Lord after a trial. We, we see that sometimes in our children. If we've had to discipline them, after the time of discipline their hearts are so tender um, and, and so sensitive to us. And that's how it is after a trial for us. In 1989, Jeffrey Gorsuch was flying his small plane in the midst of a horrible storms. And this is what he said. We could barely see 20 feet in front of the plane. On the ground, signals were being transmitted to the five radios and three navigational aids on board the aircraft. These instruments guided us through the storm to the runway. There were moments when the confusion in the clouds could have been fatal. Times when all our senses seemed to indicate that the instruments were lying, making panic and pilot error inevitable. But I had been trained to trust the instruments, and I did. And as we broke out of the clouds 100 feet off the runway and in a perfect altitude for landing, all that remained to do was to ease back the power and the stick and let her settle into the runway. And as the emergency vehicles approached with their blaring sirens and flashing lights, I knew they would not be necessary. I had trusted the instruments. Ladies, we need to trust the instruments. God has given us his word, he's given us his promises, and we need to trust them. Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on surviving the storms of life with Mrs. Terry Chapel.